after another biblical character, also named Lazarus, who was revived by Jesus four days after his supposed death. But just what is near-death experience? Dr. Jeff Long elaborates. Well, as the name near-death experience implies, these people have some event in which they are severely physically compromised. Generally, there's a severe physical malady that occurs very suddenly often or at the end of a chronic illness. Near-death experiences are very frequently associated with cessation of heart function or cessation of breathing function and very often both. And given that 10 seconds after that, that the EEG, a measure of brain electrical activity, goes absolutely flat, it's medically inexplicable that near-death experiencers are having a conscious experience. There's so much more evidence behind something more going on with near-death experiences, something that is not medically explicable. There are blind people, including people that are blind from birth, that have near-death experiences, and for most of them, it's a visual experience. That is absolutely medically inexplicable. These are people that are blind that for the first experience in their life where they've had vision and can see things in the world was during their near-death experience. There is no other explanation for that. Time and time again, we hear accounts of people that had their near-death experience and their consciousness separates from their body. So from a vantage point of their consciousness, apart from their body, they're able to see and hear what's going on around them while they're being resuscitated. Uh, very often they can see incredible detail of, this, of the events going on around them. Out of all the near-death experiencers that I've studied that had their consciousness come apart from their body and where they were seeing earthly everyday events, uh, essentially all of them, what they describe, has been absolutely plausible. And of all the near-death experiencers I've seen who actually went and sought out verification of what they saw while their consciousness was apart from the body, uh, every single time, with only one exception, what they saw was as, or heard was absolutely correct. And there is no explanation for that, for consciousness apart from the body at the time you're having a cardiopulmonary arrest. To people that think that near-death experience is not legitimate, I would remind them that there's at least 12 to 15 million Americans that have had near-death experience. This is such an enormous number of a shared experience that so greatly affects their life that no matter what the cause of near-death experience, no matter what your idea is about why it occurs, I think there's no question, given the number of lives that it's impacted, that it makes sense to study it. It's an incredible phenomenon. And again, the implications are enormous. A medical practitioner who has experienced this firsthand is Dr. Melvin Morse of Seattle's prestigious Children's Hospital. The near-death experience is, in fact, the dying experience. We will all have this experience when we die. The interpretation of the experience is in dispute. Nevertheless, it's a scientific fact, not a belief system, that we will have this experience when we die. There have been three major scientific studies of near-death experiences in the last 15 years. And all three of these studies document that these experiences are real and they'll happen to us all when we die. So the old ideas that these experiences are caused by a lack of oxygen to the brain or are hallucinations caused by chaos in the brain at the point of death are caused by the drugs that are given uh, to uh, patients uh, that we resuscitate uh, when we're dying. Those ideas um, were, of course, respectable scientific theories, but turned out to not be true. In fact, near-death experiences are 
the dying experience. And that's a scientific fact, not an opinion. I think in terms of, yes, certainly in terms of the consistency of testimonies in near-death experiences, it suggests that the, the experience is a reality which is not purely the product of brain chemicals because I mean, we know from studies of the effects of drugs ordinarily that if you give one person a drug and then give the same drug to another person, they'll have two completely different experiences. There might be broad similarities, but not the level of consistency you find with a near-death experience. In the past, such occurrences were viewed simply as hallucinations caused by hormones produced by the body during extreme trauma. But experts are not so convinced. Hallucinations tend to be very disordered experiences, and they're nothing like the highly ordered and structured experience that you have with near-death experience. On my website, I specifically asked the question, was the experience dreamlike in any way? And I've actually recently done a formal study of that. Near-death experiencers are emphatic when asked directly, and I did, was the experience dreamlike in any way? The answer is a resounding no. It isn't close at all to a dream. Dreams tend to bounce around a little bit. They don't tend not to have order or structure. Uh, very often a dream will end without it reaching a logical conclusion in the sequence of events. Not so with near-death experiences. They're highly structured, highly ordered. They tend to have a very logical initial part of the experience. And at the end of a very orderly and structured experience, there's a very orderly and structure end, structured end of the experience. And that's when the experience ends. Near-death experiences are nothing like dreams. If you've had a frightening near-death experience like some of those that I've described, there is no question that when you have that experience, this forces you to look at yourself. This is something that really shakes up your life in a major way. You've really got to sit down with yourself and ask yourself, why did this happen? What's really going on here? Is this the reality? It really forces you to understand what is the reality of what's going to happen when I die. Dr. Richard Kent, a retired medical doctor, has studied the NDE over many years, traveling the world and writing books on the subject. Of the 300 case studies he has made, an alarming amount report the existence of a realm similar to the one encountered by Daniel Ekechukwu. It's just a horrendous, awful place. It's a place where people are terrified, are frightened, um, and people even who've seen hell, even years later, they recall in horror at what they saw there. Just a place of awfulness. Um, I've interviewed probably over 300 people who've had these experiences, um, and all of them have been dramatically changed. Their lives have been changed by these near-death experiences. You can't say that about hallucinations. Hallucinations simply aren't life-changing experiences, whereas a near-death experiences um, when you meet Jesus Christ and either see heaven or hell, they are dramatic, riveting, life-changing experiences. And almost invariably, people's lives are dramatically altered as a result of these experiences. So personally, and also because of the fact that the near-death experience accounts are so uh, remarkably similar, not only to each other, but also to the Bible, I personally believe that these, these are real events and people are describing real events. If you read any newspaper today, you'll talk about, you'll, you'll read about people having a near-death experience of a type, leaving their body and going along a tunnel and, meet, and going to a place of light. It's only one who get, those who get really close to who recognize Jesus Christ. Um, they describe him as nearly six foot tall, but radiating li uh, light, tremendous amount of light coming from him, um, from his face and from his chest and from his arms and from his legs. Um, 
But people, just, it's not just the appearance of Jesus, um, it's the fact that they feel it, it, in the presence of so much love. Um, many people said they've never felt, they've never felt like that. They've never felt so completely um, surrounded uh, by love, as powerful as that. But this variation that they see in hell, whether it's total darkness uh, or whether it's the fire, it's a place that they never want to visit again. This brings us to the case of Dr. Rodanaya, George Rodanaya, a young Russian fellow, very intelligent, became a PhD and MD, but before that had trouble with the KGB and couldn't get out of Russia. In fact, when he tried to get out of Russia, he was purposefully run down by the KGB, overriding the sidewalk and running over him. And this is how his accident started and his story started. As a psychiatrist, as a neuropathologist, for me, God never existed. I never believed in God. I never believed in the uh, Bible. I never thought about uh, God or Bible or, or divinity. In 1976, I was 20 when I was uh, already a doctor working in Georgia, I uh, met a lady from uh, Texas and uh, I tried to leave the country many times but I didn't have such a help. This lady tried to help me and uh, I became in big trouble with KGB. Uh, because my work, I worked on adenosine triphosphate, it's a neurotransmitter in our brain and with the conjunction of uh, oxytocin, I discovered several things, and I was a scientist, and uh, KGB didn't want me to go, so that's why uh, they decided to kill me. That's how I got into another dimension of my life. I was standing on, uh, on the sidewalk, uh, ready to depart to uh, New York, uh, waiting for a cab. Uh, when car ran on sidewalk and uh, hit me. I flew 10 meters and I fell and then ran. The car runs over me. Uh, my friends and relatives took me to hospital and uh, the hospital uh, staff, friends of mine and uh, two other professors uh, constated or declared me dead. They put me in morgue in a freezer and uh, uh, three days later, they took me out on Monday. It was Friday night, and on Monday morning, they began my autopsy. And uh, these three days being out of my body, seeing everything what was happening around, seeing myself, my body, seeing my birth, uh, my parents, uh, my wife, uh, my child, my friends, um, I saw their thoughts, I saw what they were thinking, how, they, uh, how, how, how their thought moved from one to another dimension. It was an incredible experience. I was in darkness, in total darkness, and this darkness was pressing. This darkness existed not beyond, but existed within. What I want to say is that darkness was pressing. And I was in the middle of this sphere, and, uh, and I didn't understand why and how this darkness existed. Where was I? 
And uh, I understood I didn't have a body because I didn't feel it. But then I thought about light. I, I, I went through that little hall into light. Uh, but light was more powerful, more burning. I mean, you cannot compare it to anything. In, it, no word can explain it. And, and this light was so burning and, and, and uh, um, uh, going through flesh. But I didn't have a body. That was the most, uh, most interesting part. And I was scared of that light. I thought, where is that hall to darkness, go to shade, to save myself from this light? What is that light? I don't know. I mean, it can be called light of God. It can be called light of life. But light is light and darkness is darkness. And then, as a psychiatrist and scientist, I didn't uh, think about that. The only thing was that I was in light. We were not raised in Galway. You know, Soviet Union, we didn't go to church. We didn't have... There were people who went. But they were some kind of limited people, we thought. I mean, we thought they didn't know better that there is no God. But uh, during that three days being in morgue, in a freezer, changed all my life. To begin the autopsy, they, uh, they began to cut my chest. That, that was the first incision. Then I opened eyes. So when I opened eyes and he saw the pupils were convulsing, uh, becoming smaller, to say simply. Um, he, he saw that it was uh, reacting on, on light, it means it's life. And uh, they put me back uh, into hospital and began resuscitation. My lungs were collapsed for many time, I mean long time. I was on respirator for 90 days. I mean it's not, it's not that it happened fast, but the life came back and what they discovered was uh, that life was there during the autopsy, but it wasn't that all organs worked. I mean, it was hard work for nine months being under uh, the recovery. Um, uh, it, it didn't happen immediately. I mean, the life was there, but it doesn't mean that I could survive if not doctors who helped me uh, to regenerate my uh, health and organs. When I came to life back, a lot of different experiences happened and I, I experienced a lot of rejection, a lot of uh, fight uh, with, the, with the reality of others, but nothing could change my mind. I knew uh, my destination, I knew my way, and I decided to leave the country. And again, this lady from Longview, Texas helped me to move uh, to United States. And uh, we came to Texas and we continue to live in Texas still. Sometimes things are beyond our grasp. But I don't try to explain it all because I know uh, and I believe uh, that God knows better. And uh, I believe that I don't need to be explained. And why it was shown to me and why it's me chosen to be. It wasn't question and I don't care about that honestly. I care that it was. I deeply believe in God of love and God is love and I believe that God, um, God created everything for betterness and for incredible incredible future uh, if we don't ruin it. And I experienced uh, what is uh, love uh, what is uh, faith, what is hope, and all these three as a wisdom of God. The prayer of faith, the prayer of salvation, is not some just little prayer. It's the only way to the Father. And that's the only way 
Now, all of these people that in the New Age movement that believe that everybody's going to heaven, that you can worship anything, you worship a flea, you can, you can squeeze a tree, uh, you can worship a crystal, you can worship the star. I got news for them. They're not, you know, they're not going uh, unless they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because the Word says the only way to the Father is through the Son. Don't go to hell. Please, I beg you, don't go to hell. It was not prepared for you. If you're saved, you're safe to die. If you accepted Jesus. Do not put off for tomorrow anything. Because you might die this very moment, this very night. It's the best sight ever happened in my life. You can feel Jesus' presence with you like today, in this place, in this time. It's not God's will that people perish. I didn't know this. I didn't know the love of God. All I knew was hatred and violence and abuse. But there's one that cares, and his name is Jesus. And who is the Son? He is the Word made flesh and came and dwelt amongst men. The Word is the way to the Father. Make a choice. Not tomorrow, not tonight. Make a choice right now. Are you going to give your heart over to Jesus, or are you not? If you want to have life here after, you better accept Jesus.